Sally Baker, she, her, an education lecturer and children's fantasy literature researcher at University of East London. You're listening to Fantasy Book Swap, where a guest and I swap children's fantasy fiction, one classic and one contemporary, and we discuss them. Today, I'm joined by S.J. Gronewegen, order author of the Lethbridge Stewart Doctor Who spin-off series and the forthcoming novel, The Disinformation War. Hello, what have you been up to recently? Hi, Ellie. Um, it's just first off, just going to say how excited I am to actually be on one of my favourite podcasts. Oh, thank so, you. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what have I been up to? Um, well, my big news is that uh, the disinformation war is actually out next month, thirteenth oh, of June. Wow. Um, it, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> this is often the way with books. Um, but uh, yeah, and um, excitingly, because it just happens to coincide, um, SRFC, uh, who meet in London, um, happen to be meeting on the 13th of June, and I'll be doing some readings and a Q&A session there. So oh, hugely looking forward to that. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes for that, because I definitely want to be there. I, I've been like, wanting to read, uh, wanted to read this book. And so I'm, I'm very excited that I'm going to be having some lovely post next month hopefully yeah indeed indeed yes Um, yeah do you want to tell us a little bit about the disinformation war what what's what's it about yeah sure um and of course this puts me on the spot in terms of (laughs) (laughs) elevator pictures and the like um yeah no it's it's set in the near future um of britain um in fact increasingly closer to the near future (laughs) the way the government's going um and it, it does actually extrapolate from current politics um and and reasonably recently past politics um even though i don't name political parties Mm. don't name names of prime ministers or anything like that because things change too quickly Mm. um and it's essentially about three people who are quite unlikely allies um they come from quite different parts of british society and end up fighting back effectively against some pretty draconian measures in, in essence um and the reason why it's called the disinformation war is quite a lot of it is about information sphere um politics the manipulation of all of that um yeah and, so. and actually that's that's a link to um that is a link to the second book there is a link to the second book that we're mm. going to be talking about there i think that actually increasingly there's a lot of um books from a number of different countries that are about control of information as a, a, a primary measure of control. I mean, that that has been in the past as well, but um, it, it's kind of becoming more of a, a, a common theme um, in books, as, as we have seen it played out in our politics uh, so recently in, in such an obvious way. Yeah. So the book that you mm. chose was Andra by yep. Louise Lawrence, which was published mm-hmm. in 1971. Yep. Um, and my copy is um, a Lion's Tracks book, which I think is from was published in the 90s, maybe. Uh, 1991. Yes, this is 20 years after it was first published. And funnily enough, I didn't come across it as a, as a child or a teenager at all. So um, do you want to um, s- summarise it for us? What What's the book about? 
Yeah, um, it, it, and I think it does actually pick up themes as well um, for both both the second book, Iron Widow, mm. and also the Disinformation War, and lots of other things that I, I watched and read as a kid. Mm. So it totally chimes with my worldview in many ways. Um, it's it's set at about two thousand years in the future, um, in a place called Subsidy One, where a kid we're never really quite sure how young she is but she is a kid um called andra is recovering from a brain graft operation because um she well she got up to some mischief and had an accident and um they decide to do a brain graft to to fix the problem um even though there's lots of questioning about whether or not they should actually let her live because she's mm. not destined for for great things um the brain graft they happen to take is from a boy from 1987, which, of course, when I first read this book and when it first came out was far in the future because yes. <laughs> it's now not. Um, and, yeah, it's fascinating in terms of what happens then with that because Andrew changes not only to a degree her appearance, um, but all, but definitely her character. Mm. Um, and she, she actually becomes you know in a sense more human um mm. and the the boy from which the part of the brain comes from was a musician um but apart from that fairly ordinary i think mm. from memory um and she becomes really interested in in sort of like music and art um and the society that they're in it's all underground there's rival cities um it's hugely pol political and i think very much of the cold war if you think mm. about it in terms of what, what they're like there's dissidents she gets to meet one of them um and she also gets a job basically to assist an elderly man um longevity is there uh, as well as short lifespans it sort of depends on where you are in the strata mm. um, of the society uh, and she becomes a bit of a rebel uh, or really actually much more accurately a figurehead for the mm. rebellion um, she's just doing her own thing, which is completely destroying the fabric of the society. Um, and she wants to get up on the on the surface of the planet to see what nature is like. Um, and it isn't great, basically. But um, but it's it's fascinating in the sense of exploring the past as well as um, futures and so on. Yeah, it did. It reminded me. When I say I think it's of its time, I don't mean that in that it's not relevant. And, and not an enjoyable read now, but it reminded me an awful lot of the adult science fiction that I was reading um, that, that were reissued through the women's press and through Virago um, that was written around the same time. So that there are things that we will we'll come on to later, but things about um, questioning gender essentialism and questioning assumptions about what is a worthwhile human and what is not a worthwhile human um that i found um very relevant um for you know things that we're discussing today that's mickey's tale mickey stopped that um so that that i found i found it a very interesting book to read i'm not sure how much i would have got out of it at the had i i mean obviously not if i'd read it at the time because I was three when it was published, but you know, had I read it as a young teenager, I don't think I would have had the appreciation of it 
that I do now, funnily enough. Oh, what what are your memories of, of first reading it? Yeah, um, well, it's tied up with the television series. Um, yes. Which, and I'll kind of look back on it because obviously memory cheats. Yeah. <laughs> and so on. But fortunately, there are archives um, on the internet. Hooray. Um, and it actually includes a, a, a television listings of Australian newspapers because the, even though um, Louise Lawrence was British, mm. I've got that right, finish yes, right, and the book yeah. was British, etc. Um, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation uh, at the time decided to make a TV version of it, uh, and this was in the mid seventies. Um, incredibly low budget, like it makes Doctor Who at the time look, <laughs> look like Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. Um, and the the first the first time it was aired. It was in, I looked it up, it was in September of 1976. Oh. So I was all of eight years old. Mm. I remember watching it and absolutely loving it. Mm. Um, it's not for eight-year-olds. <laughs> it's, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, TV is different from a book. <laughs> but the, yeah. the memory, the TV series didn't shy away from a lot of the difficult questions but the problem is um it was actually repeated in 1978 i have memories of watching it more than once so i must have watched the repeat it's the yes. only two times it was ever aired and it's vanished it was only eight episodes half an hour each um but it's vanished like uh abc archives yeah you know, people have looked they may exist um, and just been misfiled somewhere, but I'm highly sceptical because, frankly, Doctor Who fans who would have been looking through the same archives yes. <laughs> uh, would have leapt on it because, you know, it, it's of its time. It, it is um, a thing. And kids like me, I mean, I was a bit younger than the average Doctor Who fan at that particular time who was interested in that kind of thing, but certainly growing older, um, there were people with, with similar memories of it to me. Um, and one of the funny things about it was I, I, I still have incredibly strong visual memories of certain things. Um, I would love to check it back. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I was eight or ten um, when I watched it. And uh, Yeah, the Wikipedia, I, th I think the, the, the Wikipedia site for it is, 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 or, you know, page for it is very, very brief. Yeah. One of the things I, I did mention, uh, did notice in the, in the Wikipedia page, it says it was aimed at girls. And I, d I don't know how that person who wrote that worked that out. Um, it's it's a, a girl on that cover. Yeah, because it's got a girl protagonist, it must be for girls. But, yeah, it's that, that's... It's, it's like I, YA being purely something that's got a, a teenager in the, in the lead role. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, it it's it's odd, but but it's also I think sort of kind of a bit strange the um, you know why the ABC why the ABC chose this particular book to make because mm. while they did make it on seriously a shoestring budget, um, I, I I also did some digging up on it because this stuff I don't really remember mm. because as a kid and someone who was also an avid avid fan of Doctor Who, I was very very used to creating visuals <laughs> as watching I stuff. I think that that's quite true of a lot of when you look back on TV shows from the past that I remember thinking were absolutely amazing. Mm. And then you look back at them now, like, for example, The Hitchhiker's Guide, the original 
TV yeah. series of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I remember it being like so, you know, the, the, the oh, mega being astonishing. And mm. yeah, no, they're really not. But I, I think that my mm. imagination must have filled in a lot of a lot yeah, of detail and, and, that really wasn't there. I think it def- definitely does. But um, because I did read a, a reference to something I can't, I didn't take the reference, but I can find it again for you for the links. But um, but they were sort of like talking about it through their memory um, and so on. And I think they must have been older at the time as well. But they were saying that, they used shop room dummies to fill out the crowd scenes. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't think it's actually fairly astute. I mean, you know, yeah. computer yeah. graphics weren't there. It sort of like does the same thing. But anyway, anyway but around about the same time, um, uh, there was a shared imprint that the ABC had um, with with another publisher, basically. But they published a paperback of it. I did write down this note in yeah it was 1976 um and it had a picture of her name was lisa mears i think i've got that right yeah no lisa lisa pears um i don't think really went on and had a major sort of like career it didn't have big names um a few for local audiences would have known but it definitely wasn't a big name thing but then it was a picture of her and a picture of the older guy um and i it's funny because i do remember it from the show just how not great the old age might makeup was for him <laughs> <laughs> was that for lascaux the, the yeah of... yeah ah, all the um, but it's two of them on the cover basically so that's an imprint on on my mind definitely but um and i can't remember whether or not somebody gave it to me or if i did save up my pocket money at the time um and where i grew up in sydney we had certainly australia's first children's bookshop um and i think they even claimed that it was sort of like first in the english-speaking world specific children's bookshop like a specialist in our little part of sydney so um and they certainly knew my brother and my <laughs> reading habits yes and and we'd also often sort of like put things aside so um i mean i genuinely can't remember how i obtained it but i do remember i read it over and over and over again um so it it it's sort of yeah funny it didn't survive unfortunately that mm. copy I had um various moves and rereading and I don't think it was probably the best made <laughs> yeah yeah actually that that's true I think I mean there are some of the books I have that were my childhood copies of books I looked after very carefully mm. and keep them but there were a lot of books that kind of fell apart didn't they after a while the, the glue on the spine just yeah, yeah, and they yes, the the book the leaves themselves went went quite brittle. Mm. So yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So the edition that I reread for this is, I think, the same one that you've got. Mm. Yeah, the lion's version, which I I think this may have been the last time it was published in I the think UK. So when I was looking for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what do you remember about first reading it? I, I mean, was was it 
are, are your are the images in your mind from reading it purely from the TV show? I think I don't think so, um, but probably based fairly heavily on it, um, like in terms of the setting and, but but it definitely would have been my visual imagination of the setting, um, mm. what we talked about sort of like before. But I think it, yeah, the the characters would have looked very much like they did mm. on the TV um, and the costumes, that sort of thing, um, but yeah. with, with additional things. But I mean, well. And I think one of the reasons why it's stuck with me actually is also it's a fairly intellectual book, you know, mm. like it's it, in as much as it does talk about character feelings and so on. Mm. It's also a bit distant, I think, in some ways, yeah. but that's very much the, the society. I think that, you know, that they are quite cold and, and so on. That's one of the reasons why she, she is an outlier because mm. she isn't. Um, but yet she's also still a product of where they live. Um, I I think I I think that the word I think of is sterile. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I think that's part of the dystopian nature of the book, isn't it? Mm. Mm. That it is a society which doesn't value connections between people. It doesn't value beauty. It doesn't value nature it, it's totally a world of intellect and yeah. a world of of what can people offer intellectually yeah <clears throat> rather than what can people offer spiritually emotionally morally you know creatively and so but again i think like i said before i think this is a very much a feature of feminist science fiction um of the time wasn't it yes. it was about a world which didn't have there's lots of kind of concrete dystopias written at the time well, this is more a stainless steel dystopia mm -hmm. than a than a concrete dystopia but um that that's sort of the that the opening scene where the two doctors, Messe and Lascaux, are debating whether or not they're going to um, give uh, Andra the brain transplant. It's all set in an operating theatre, and that's yeah. sort of like that. That pervades for me the the kind of the rest of the book. Yes, um, very much that, so. that aspect of it. Yeah. So um, we we've talked about it as, or I've mentioned that as a, as a kind of dystopian. But I mean, would would you? How would you classify it as a? You know, if you were going to classify it as a genre, what what would you classify it as? Yeah, um, I think dystopia does fit it quite well. Um, in in terms of, it is about resisting that kind mm. of um, that approach to, and sterile is exactly the right word for it. Um, in all sorts of different ways. Um, but it's also got that spark of rebellion in it, mm. even though the ending, you don't really know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. It's not a pleasant ending. <laughs> no. Um, but it no, is it's... the ending that it kind of drives towards. So, you know, and it's not oppressively depressing, um, I don't think, uh, but that, 
could be just my sort of approach to these sorts of like things mm -hmm. um, because you know it's sort of like there is a, a spark of actually we don't have to be like this um we could do other things but whether they will or not who knows um but that spark is kind of there um yeah um one of the things i noticed about it that i would have expected would that there, there's there's i always said there's it's very unemotional book but the, if this was being published say 10 years ago you know at the mm. time when or you know even longer ago than that then when there were a lot of YA dystopias around like the hunger games and divergent and and those sorts of books you would expect there to be a romance subplot yeah yeah and and that's not there no no the the, the closest you get um are almost all of the men in the book and almost all of the other characters are men <laughs> which is interesting um and actually uh side note um one of the characters in the television adaption is played by a woman um i can't remember exactly which one it is but um oh. but it was like oh yeah you know they did actually sort of like equalize a little bit more in terms mm. of the gender diversity or lack thereof um but certainly but to go back to the book though and when i was reading it again this time it was like the fascinating reversal almost in a sense of um like the young men that are there kind of almost hero worshiping her um mm. as opposed to wanting to have some form of romantic relationship mm. um and even uh the old guy i'm bad with names <laughs> shouldn't be but um but the old professor is sort of like an interesting relationship sort of like there because it would be easy to make it a kind of um mm. mentor and mentee relationship that's sort of reversed there, there is a bit of that in there but again it's not really that it's it's and andrew's so different having yes. had the brain graft um that it's like she's almost alien um in it and I, one of the scenes that does resonate um my memory tells me it was a guitar but i have ah. a bad feeling i might have got that slightly wrong but anyway but it's when she she wants to play it and does and of course that's terrible because it's a museum piece and we should yes. look at it and study it <laughs> yeah it's like someone picking up you know as uh, uh, some kind of you know like a you know an ancient um artifact and and playing it yeah. yeah um and and one of the other things too that just really sticks in my mind as well is the fascinating fact that part of her rebellion as well as growing her hair yeah and and kind of you know actually yeah <laughs> it's like oh i mean i'm someone who has short hair i've always preferred mm. short hair but it, it, you know, it's fascinating to me that yeah, it, it, even on that level, it's like okay, there's a rule against that. Let's just break it. Um, yes, it's a very. Um, I've forgotten that detail actually. That's that's interesting. I I think that the the way that the world is set up. Mm. And I, I mean, I think what what Lu 
Louise Lawrence is is aiming for is that it's in stereotypical terms a very masculine world. Mm, mm. It's very you know it's practical, it's scientific, and so on. And I I'm not too sure what I feel about that mm. in terms of her ideas about gender essentialism um, and whether that is actually what she was driving at. But it is. Um, Yes, that that kind of doing something that is, yeah, short hair is very practical. So, cut, growing your hair mm. is is kind of rebelling against that practicality idea. But then, also, she's maybe it was still very much a hippie era, yes, in the, the early nineteen seventies. So maybe that's also what she's thinking of that kind of unwashed look, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. that that she's she's driving at. Yeah. What what did you think about gender and uh in particular that kind of do you agree with me that there's it is a gender essentialist? I do, yes. Um, writing about? Yeah, and I very much on my reading of it now, I think when I was reading it as a kid, all of that went over my head. Like mm. apart from you know, I, I, and actually, genuinely, I don't remember if I even noticed the difference in the TV show and the book. I, I don't remember mm. it, whether I noticed mm. it or not, in terms of the, I won't say gender swapped, but I suppose in a sense it is. But um, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of the book and reading it now, yeah, very much so. Um, and and actually, it irked me in a sense. Um, that was sort of like the feminized approach in terms mm. of things but again very much that late 60s very early 70s i'm not suspect she wrote the book in the late 60s um and so on and you know sort of like picking up a lot of that and it was something that actually i do remember at the time it was the hippie side of things because mm. one of the images i have in my mind um is of the boy that she gets the brain graft from because there are moments where she sees him and of course mm. in the tv show you see him um and the guitar plays a part in that um and he's very much a hippie um mm. and of course you know in the 70s <laughs> that was still very much there um looking back on it now i'm kind of going it's like yeah it was 1987 that he was supposed to die it mm. it's definitely not the 1987 that happened no. <laughs> in terms of just purely what people look like and what people are sort of like doing he's not really of that time as you'd kind of expect but she, you know she's clearly not setting out like a lot of people who write these sorts of things isn't really setting out to predict the future um and you know to hark back to ursula Le Guin and her observation mm -hmm. about you know, science fiction being so good at really talking about today's concerns yes. um it's very much i think about that um in terms of yeah and and hence why they're picking up as you've said before about stuff that was going on in britain at the time and picking up i think you know the whole science fiction zeitgeist of what it sort of looked like um i mean i'm also minded of various tv shows that you really get that look um and film as well uh, uh, is it? Uh, 
it'll come back to me at the most inopportune moment. <laughs> As always happens. Always the way. Uh, you know, two, two seasons of it um, in the early 70s, 1991, I think it was called. Oh, yes. Um, Space yeah, 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Space yeah. 1999. No, not, not Space 1999 right. because yeah. that's yeah. – um, very beige, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and colourful in odd moments. But so, yeah, yeah. colourful hair, yeah. No, this other one, I'm fairly sure it's called 1991 or something like that. Um, like I said, it will come back to me. If it's not that, I'll come back to you on it anyway. But, mm. um, but it, it's a TV show, very dystopian. Um, it's it's very concrete, and I'm girders and hugely mm. in the cold war kind mm. of thing of people trying to escape from stuff um and how yeah. do you do that and and i know it was fairly popular at the time um essentially mm. but yeah um and i think is there a version of 1984 that was done or brave new world around about that time yeah as well um Plus, of course, as you, as you mentioned before, the the other science fiction books that were coming out um, in and around. Yes, one. I mean, one of the things that is a big feature of this this book is the, or you know, the the, the premise mm. is that the Earth has been knocked out of rotation of the sun. Yes, yeah. on, everything on top of the planet is frozen. Mm. But I think if it was being written later on that would have been an ecological it would have been an ecological disaster that happened mm. but i can't remember why the earth got knocked out of rotation i can't remember either yeah um, and it is a couple of months since i read this so it's not yes yeah and um, there is the plot about the rockets um mm. trying to find everything yeah um so I, I'm wondering if it was something to do with war rather than ecological desire. But I, yeah, it's my memory is is hazy on that. Um, mm. But I think because even even a lot a lot of the fe feminist contemporary feminism feminist science fiction to this, there was stuff about the ecology. Mm, mm, that, mm. that was much more prominent um, yes. not, not completely um tracking with current you know scientific predictions mm. of, of where we are at the moment in the kind of whole collapse of uh yeah. you know the so, and climate change and so on but yeah a lot of it is kind of very much about you know nuclear uh winter and so on and that mm. but that's not really the feature of, of this book no, um, no yeah the other thing that i did find interesting too which i hadn't picked up as much of earlier but certainly this time round um was also the fact of the other sub cities and what mm. they were like um and that actually this one is much less authoritarian and totalitarian than the others mm. um which is also an interesting take and i think you know again when you sort of like think i i, I keep drifting towards the cold war mm. of the 60s and and what was sort of like going on then with that um in mm. terms of spies and uh, yeah 
and proxy wars and all of these sorts of things. Um, yeah. A a- and and fears about um, repress- repressive regimes mm. being a thing. And, yeah. and of, you know, the, the, also, of course, not really knowing what was going on in lots of parts of the world. Um, Indeed, yes. Is, is something that, and you're only, only being able to get information from official news sources, which is mm. no longer, you know, we can get news from other countries, you know, via different means. Yes. We, yeah. we can now. Mm. Yeah. Um, shall we go on to talk about the Iron Widow then, mm-hmm. which is my choice. And now I have to get the, the blurb from my phone. Uh, it's by, uh, it's a, a winner of the, of, uh, or being nominated for a number of awards. So it's from 2021 and it's uh, by a Canadian author called Jiran J. Zhao. And it's, uh, I think it's such an interesting book. Mm-hmm. Um, Pacific Rim meets hand, The Handmaid's Tale is the <laughs> elevator pitch for this book. The boys of Hujar dream of pairing up with girls to pilot chrysalises, giant transforming robots that can battle the aliens that lurk beyond the Great Wall of China. It doesn't matter that the girls die from the mental strain. When 18-year-old Zetian offers herself up as a concubine pilot, it's to assassinate the ace male pilot responsible for her sister's death. But when she gets her vengeance, it becomes clear that she is an iron widow, a rare kind of female pilot who can sacrifice males to power up the chrysalises instead. To tame her frightening yet valuable mental strength, she is paired up with Li Jimin, the strongest male pilot in Huja, yet feared and ostracized for killing his father and brothers. But now that Zetian has a taste of power, she will not cower so easily. She will take over instead, then leverage their combined strength to force her society to stop failing its women and girls, or die trying. Wow. What did you think? of this book i loved it (laughs) Mm. i absolutely loved it um it's i mean the opening is quite horrific (laughs) in quite an unexpected way (laughs) in terms of what i was expecting Mm. um i'm talking about is the quite graphic description about foot binding yes um which was not remotely what i was expecting but um, but it was absolutely astonishing. It is. You're right, and I, I think when I was reading this book, it's one of those books where I think it's yes, it's got an 18 year old protagonist, so I can see why that and and like that that a lot of the concerns of the book are are things that are young people's concerns, mm. the kind of the huge emotions, all of the. Um, the injustice and the fight for justice and all of that stuff. But it is definitely not a book I would be wanting a, or I would be recommending to, you know, a, an 11 to 13 year old. It's really not. It is, as you say, 
and and actually it's very and it's also very very violent yeah and very very gory so um i am absolutely sure i would have read it as a child but then <laughs> i read stephen king at a far too young age as well but yeah. it's not one that i would be happy to recommend to to friends you know 13 year olds really i think it is a book that's more kind of a 15 and above I agree yeah novel. yeah having said that I loved it mm. I thought it was uh it I think that in places it's maybe a little bit overwritten mm. there's a lot of similes in there and a lot of metaphors that I'm not sure were always needed mm. um but it is I think that the con it's such a high concept um and and so exciting yeah and i i love the melding of, of mm. um, so many different things <laughs> yeah um, and actually just just as a a little bit of a weird um it does make sense but um back in the 90s it might have been the late 80s and again i, you know, I, was, I was still in australia talk with my parents you know backwards mm. and forwards in terms of university i think by that stage um and the other public sector or, or public um, broadcaster in Australia, not like Channel 4 here, but kind of a bit, if you mm. want to, was what was called the Special Broadcasting Service or the SBS. And it was aimed predominantly, and this is what's very different between it and Channel 4, it was aimed at the migrant populations in Australia um they'd never come up with it now they keep kind of trying to kill it of course you, you know mm. um, but essentially it was okay we've got various different migrant groups here let's get tv shows from their homelands um and instead of doing um voiceover stuff or dubbing we'll, we'll actually do in-house subtitling and one of the shows was was a was a late 80s hong kong production um of a version of the story of Empress Wu and for reasons which I can't remember my family avidly sat down and watched every episode because it was amazing <laughs> mm. and the subtitling was so good as well it was, it was absolutely astonishing and of course one of the, the the things that this is that the Iron Widow has picked up on is the story of Empress Wu yes um so I was reading it and kind of just going, oh, oh, is that bit going to happen? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> amazing. Memories, you know, stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, an historical figure, but semi-mythological, yeah. semi-mythological semi even now in terms of the real story because, you know, yeah. such a long time ago. Um, and, of course, you also got the gendered, and I do not pretend to be remotely an expert in this, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but in terms of Chinese politics and ancient um you know sort of like things um that i can't help like you know i suppose lots of people um look through it in terms of a western lens in terms of well yeah you've kind of got to look at um queen elizabeth mm -hmm. um i'm in scotland so the first of england yes <laughs> yeah she was um, queen elizabeth of england not not great britain yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Mm. Um, 
And yeah, which is why Queen Elizabeth II is an interesting one. Yes. <laughs> anyway, absolutely. We digress. Um, yeah, but but just sort of like, you know, thinking about warrior queens in terms of the mm. Western context. Um, and then seeing the Chinese version of it. Um, and then sort of like having a science fiction version. Um and, and kind of yeah, crashing it in with the Mecca stuff. Um mm. I've seen bits of, but it's it's not I, I think it was sort of at the wrong age group whenever the big sort of yeah. like films yeah. and comic strips and so on came out. So mm. but I'm of them. One can't really help but be. <laughs> I I mean I, I kept thinking about two things when I was reading the book. One of them was Transformers, mm. um, mm. which uh my stepson was really into Transformers at one point. So I watched a lot of Transformers. Um, but also the uh in, during lockdown, friends of ours, uh mm. of mine, got really mm. into Chinese dramas on Netflix. Yes. yes. And so I kept what thinking about those Chinese dramas, mm -hmm. uh, which are historical dramas, yep. and yep. then thinking, hold on. Yes. Why are we have why have we got space lasers in this well, it's not really space lasers, but you know what I mean. But mm. that that kind of the high-tech stuff mm. alongside the historical stuff. And I find that that is so so creative yeah. and so interesting. Um so because they're living it at the Great Wall of China. Mm, mm, mm. But at the same time, they've got you know these these amazing craft, mm, so, mm. not exactly spacecraft, but craft that yeah. they're they're fighting against uh, these um, aliens in, yeah. uh, mm. or at least they think they're fighting against aliens. But yes. that's so. Actually, shall we go on to that? The stuff mm. about the disinformation mm, mm. and the kind of because this is not really dystopian, but it is a political, very political, yeah. um, on, you know, the way that people are manipulated through mm. media. So this is the bit that reminded me of the Hunger Games. Yes. I was so, thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that aspect of the, the fake news stuff? Yeah. I, I think it's, it, it's, you know, there's a real war going on in mm. terms of, well, for the combatants, there's definitely a real war going on mm. in terms of the fact that people die. Um, yeah. it, there is destruction that occurs, um, and and everything, and there's fighting, and you know, so on mm. and so forth. And very much the the training is part of you know. I keep thinking of sort of like training montages. Um, yes, I love a training montage. This, <laughs> you're wrong, but you know, <laughs> yeah will have a tendency to you know all of that sort of like trappings but it's also for entertainment or that's what it seems to be um I, it, and that's the bit that i thought really struck me which was so similar to the hunger games mm -hmm. um and of course you have the characters who are kind of manipulating you know they are the media mm -hmm. behind it um and what their purposes are in it um and what they're sort of like you know driving um and of course where it yeah crashes into people that she knows and can she trust them because mm. of the family stuff and what else is going on in terms mm. of 
too. So yeah. Well, the fact that they have they have army generals, but they also mm. have strategists who yeah. are like political people, mm. and, and how is this going to play out? And you know, what's this going to look like on on TV? Really, mm. that that mm. is is so fascinating. We, I don't. I mean, I I don't tend to like too many spoilers, but mm. you know, spoiler coming up here. Mm. Fast forward a little bit if you don't want spoilers. <laughs> but the fact that everything that they've been told about these aliens isn't true. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that's and they're they're not they're not doing what they think they're doing. Yes. Because Sitien thinks mm. that although she thinks that the way they're going about it is completely wrong and mm. you know using these girls that are going to die in order to mm. power uh, to have the the um the chi to, to power the machines mm. actually that's not what's happening who they mm. think they're fighting it's not who they think they're fighting the yeah. purpose of the fight of the the war is not what they think they're not mm. protecting the country in the way that they think they are actually mm. they're an invading force mm. that mm. is that is so you know, when you think about war and like the the wars that have gone on in the past 20 30 years that have essentially been media wars yeah, yeah because you know the the way that you know the war in afghanistan was supposed to be about one thing and it turned out not to be and all of that stuff and the wars in in the gulf region were not yeah. about protecting kuwait it was about a whole different you know, agenda. Mm. And in fact, you know, who knows what is actually other wars going on, what what the purpose of those are and, and why, who are we, who are the rest of the world engaged with during that war? It, and it's such a complex thing, but to bring it down to this girl and, mm. you know, and, and what her her role is mm, and it's mm. also that she's not she hasn't got the hand of destiny on her shoulder yes i was gonna say it's such a relief it's such a beautiful twist on on yeah. that whole thing um because it's kind of like she could be <laughs> she's kind of got everything to be that yes isn't <laughs> yeah um and it's marvelous the way that that's that's handled. Um, and I and think it is all about her as well. Yeah. There's no mm. kind of, you know, wizard dad in the background. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. actually, you know, the person who has all the answers. She's the one. Yeah. And she doesn't have any answers, but she's navigating her way through this world. Yeah. Alongside yeah. people who she doesn't know what their agenda is. And that is. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah. And and while she's smart and intelligent and all the rest of it, because she is, mm. um, she, she doesn't, yeah, she makes mistakes. Yeah, um, she does. But they flow. I, I mean, I, I, one of the reasons I absolutely love this book was the fact that they, all of those mistakes, were, I, I wasn't ever thinking, oh, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> so stupid. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you are already a teenager, and you are in chronic yeah. pain, and you know, blah 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 blah. But seriously, come on. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't remember thinking that 
at all any of the way through. It's never that point where, you know, when you're watching a horror film and you're shouting, don't go (laughs) and investigate the strange sound in the basement. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you don't get the feeling like, oh, come on, have you never seen a horror film? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It, it, it's sort of like the you know the mistakes are perfectly reasonable mistakes yes. in that situation to make. Um, yes, and because she loses and, and, her temper at some points. Yes, frankly, you would, as you would. Yeah, and so she does. She even though she knows she should keep her mouth shut, she doesn't, mm. and that mm. is so. Um, you know that that's so normal for anybody, mm. let alone a teenager and a very angry teenager. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. and again spoilers mm. but a thing i really liked about this was again that kind of um that cliche from so many ya books is the love triangle mm, mm, mm. and i love the way that the love triangle is not about she has to choose mm, mm-hmm. you know and it there's there's kind of queerness around that as well that mm-hmm. is so is so beautifully done, yes, and yes. in such a realistic way, um, and you know, and yes, I just really love that um, mm-hmm. because that's that's something that I I I think has become a cliche, and yeah. while it is a thing that that does happen, it doesn't have to be the motivation of every yeah. of every YA book. Yeah, no, precisely. Like that. And the other thing too, I just had the thought when you were talking about that, is also her family. Yes. Um, because one of the things which I find fascinating about your whole podcast series is just how many books that, you know, they don't have families, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting with Andrew because I, I, the family situation kind of doesn't arise because of the yeah. way the society is made. So that's a dodge. Yes. <laughs> um, but, of course, in this, the family is vitally important in in so many different ways and because they don't really go away um in the way that others kind of do um and of course her relationship with them and and the complicated nature of it i think too was was refreshing because frankly you know for everything that sort of like goes on in in her life and situation all the rest of it if she turned her back on them and completely mm-hmm. <laughs> no thoughts, it's like completely understandable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're, they're not despite. Yeah. They're not a nurturing, loving, you know, my, you know, her, her mm. you know, in a Harry Potter way of like your mother loved you so much. She sacrificed mm. herself yeah. for you. It's not like that at all. It is. The, the fact that within this society, as in many other societies of the time, the, the girls, what girls are valued for is essentially they're valued for their, their bodies. Yeah. yeah. Valued for being able to have children and, mm. you know, going and marrying, uh, and supporting their families. Yeah. But the, in this kind of society, it's the, the value is what monetary value they have for by sacrificing themselves for for male pilots mm. and that is um the way that is handled and as you say the complicated nature of that because she does continue to yearn mm. for mm. her family despite knowing that that they were happy to send her to her death mm. Mm. And, uh, and understanding why they were happy to do that 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I, it's been lovely, but our time is very nearly up. Indeed. So, <laughs> Two thank very good you, yeah. SJ. Where can mm. we find you online? Yeah, um, I have a website um, in which I'll send you the links and everything Thank for you. the page. Um, and it's SJ Grunovagan, as one word, uh, .co.uk. Um, I am gripping onto Twitter with dear life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, although, to be really honest, my presence on there is considerably less than what it used to be. Um, that is, and this betrays my Doctor Who um, fan origins, um, it's at Nissa1968. Um, because other people had taken the Nissa. Very <laughs> dare, yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um, and actually, speaking of Doctor Who, that's one of the other things I've presently been doing uh, in honour of the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. I've actually been watching every single story in order. Oh, <laughs> which how is a revelation! Um, it's the first time I've ever done it, um, mm. and I'm averaging a story in a day. But there's variations on that. Um, mm. I've just finished Colin Baker's first run. Um, oh, wow. it, basically, yeah. so about to do Sylvester McCoy as of next week. I'm taking a little break, um, but I'm writing up little snippets of um, thoughts. I think I can't call them reviews, but thoughts uh, on my Tumblr account, which is called Reaching for the Void. Um, Fantastic! I did not know you had a Tumblr account, so I am going to be jumping onto that straight away and actually i must say that i have a lot of affection for the sylvester mccoy uh years because that was kind of the height of thatcherism and i mm. think again the pol political nature of those those run that run of of stories was just amazing I think they also they'd settled down in terms of how they were going to deal with it i i think i love them I, I think Sylvester's fantastic anyway. I've been lucky enough to meet him a few times. And he's oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I like Colin. I, I just, even now, find it a bit of a struggle to get through the stories that are made. Some great ideas in it. And, again, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by the politics in it. Um, mm. Like, <laughs> in fact, all the way through. My, my count of, say, for, for example, the first ecological disaster and its man-made story was in 1964. Oh, so it's, yeah. it's, it's people who go, oh, when did the politics in Doctor Who start? Oh, terrible. It's like, well, it was there from the uh, start. I think <laughs> and it was in 1964. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, uh, I think, yeah, it is probably the wokest, in inverted oh. quotes, big scare quotes, TV show yeah. ever, and I—that's I, one of the reasons I love it so much. I think mm. it's because yeah. you can watch it and just enjoy the, you know, enjoy the stories. Oh, but you, there's also the deeper depth for that. Yeah, doesn't so, always get it right, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. well, I don't think they again. It's budget thing, isn't it? They didn't always have the budget. Yeah. Thank you for listening to episode thirty-three of Fantasy Book Swap. You can find us on Twitter at fantasy swap facebook at fantasy book swap or email fantasy at gmail.com i do promise i'm going to work out how to get back into my email and uh, i read them at some point you can subscribe at most of your favorite podcast places or download from podbean please do rate and review if you can it does help to satisfy my vanity thank you to steve vapor charles for production assistance and jack sudler johnson 
for the use of his beautiful track, Bliss. Until next time, bye.